all and welcome to Addicted to Anime. I am Steven. And I'm Jana. We're the Wagos. We're Addicted to Anime here on Mega Powers Radio. Um, today we've got a big show which is basically reviewing and comparing Full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. We're also going to be debuting a new segment where we're going to give a few trivia questions which you guys can call in in the next 10 minutes when we open up the phone lines. And of course we've got our top five list as we do every week. And if you guys want to call in, contribute, as we said, the lines will be open in 10 minutes. You can do that as and when, but we're going to get into our top five songs in anime first. And these songs criteria, basically, it doesn't matter if it's a theme for the opening or a theme for the ending. As long as it's been in the anime, so, um, in an anime series at any point, it's um, yeah, it's the criteria. It doesn't have to be an opening or an ending. It can even be during the anime. So we're going to go ahead and I'm going to pass this along to Jana and you can give me your... Well, you're not doing it in any particular no, order, no, right? No, I'm not doing it in a particular order. That'd be too difficult for me. I've seen too many animes. <laughs> so go ahead and shoot and let me know what you're going to be for your top five. Well, the first one I'm going to bring up is uh, an Inuyasha ending theme called Hukai Mori. Uh, to be honest, uh, it is the song that got me interested in the artist, Do As Infinity. Um it's not my favorite song that they've made, but it's my favorite song they've made that has made it to an anime. Duaz Infinity has been a favorite band of mine since I was about 16 years old. I'm 24 now, so it's been almost a decade now, and it all started with that one song. All right. Well, the first one for me is going to be Sword Art Online, which we actually did not too long yep, ago. that was the last one we reviewed. Um, yeah, that was... Uh... It was an interesting anime, but their opening was awesome. It was great. And it's it. not done by a particular band. It's actually done by two composers. Uh, Lisa was the singer, and that's like L with capital, then little I, and then two big S.A.s. It's mm -hmm. kind of a weird. And the backtrack was done by, and you probably can pronounce this better than me, but Watanabe Show. That's correct. All right. And it was a kick-ass theme. It fit the anime. The song's called Crossing Field, and I really enjoyed it. Me too. Uh, my next one that I decided was a Kogias opening called Kaidoko Funo. Sorry, I read it wrong. It's Kaidoku Funo. Um, I really enjoyed it. I found that most Kogias openings and endings were enjoyable. Well, what you got to remember, that series was so ridiculously popular, and yeah. like by the end of it, they had Orange Range, which is probably, arguably, like the most popular fucking band in Japan. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, you can't really get away from their music. No. And Flow, which is very popular as well, though. Yeah. Their, their popularity's dwindled a little, but their contributions, like, are forever in the anime world and all over Japanese culture. So I really enjoy both of the bands that were in that, and there's a few odd artists. Uh, yeah, this one was actually by Gene. Yeah, but not slower those two. But this one was by Gene. But I, I uh, of all of them, they were all amazing. Code Geass. Um, so for next for me is an anime which I've never seen, but I'm not sure if this is their opening or actual closing. I've got to double check that, but I've heard it a lot, and I really get into the song. It's um, for the anime Durarara, and I hate pronouncing that fucking thing. <laughs> Ridiculous. And probably the most oddest band name ever is Rookies is Punked. And they've done a few anime shows, such as Blue Exorcist, and there's a few others that I can't list off the top of my head, but uh, the song Complication, and they've got a couple versions of this, and 
it's just a kick-ass song. It has a bit of rapping. It has a bit of rock in it. Mm-hmm. And it's just a sweet, catchy tune, and I really enjoy it. And my next one is from Clannad After Story, the opening the theme. Feels. Yep, all the feels. Uh, the name of it is Tokyo Kizamuta, and the artist is Leah. Um, it's a really soft song, but and normally I go for the um, higher pitch, not higher pitch, the faster, more exciting songs, but it's such a sweet, simple song that I really, really grew to like it. Um, what about you? I'm just sorry. I was just sharing our page just to let everyone know that we are live, and I've lost my goddamn list. There it is. (laughs) All right. Now, this song was probably the most unfitting and odd song to be in an anime, and the Helsing, not Helsing Ultimate, they used to end every episode with Shine by Mr. Big. Um, it's fitting, but it wasn't a Japanese song because the anime is set in London, England, of all mm-hmm. places. They do go to Japan a few times, but it's probably not even ten minutes of a show. Um, so, yeah, uh, Shine by Mr. Big, it was just a really fun song that made my iPod list because it's one of those that you can just listen to outside of uh, watching an anime. Sometimes it feels a bit odd to listen to particular pieces of music, but... Yeah. This one's just a general fun song, and I advise everyone to check out Mr. Big's uh, Shine. It's really, really fun. My next one is the Attack on Titan opening, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard. Guren, sorry, Guren no Yumiya. And I feel that the lyrics to it, if you look up the lyrics, they really match the anime, and it's also a really fun, exciting song, and they really did the animation well for the opening as well. Uh, which one was that you picked? Uh, that was the Attack on Titan opening. Oh, yeah, that one was fucking sweet. Yeah. <laughs> the only issue with that is there's some misheard lyrics. Oh, my God, the misheard lyrics. And if you go on Google and search misheard lyrics, Attack on Titan, what you'll get is pretty much like any misheard lyrics video. They'll put the subtitles on. Yeah. And it's actually a good one where you're like, I can hear that. Yeah, I guess uh, I can kind of hear that, yeah. And the beginning of it is, I will have sex with the bees and the eagles. And then, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, potato pizza. <laughs> Which is fitting because of uh, that one, Sasha. Sasha loves potatoes. So we got a kick out of that. That was uh, shared to me by my good friend Ryan. He's actually uh, an admin over on our uh, Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash addictedanimefans. You guys should go ahead and like that, share a few pictures, do us a favor. <laughs> um all right, so next for me... The next it, one we both share, so might as well just discuss it. <laughs> well, no. Not my next one. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, you're right. Never mind. Um, next for me is Angel Beats, and it's not the opening, it's not the closing. During episode three, and looking back on it, it surprises me how early this happened in the show. Mm. I guess Angel Beats must have been a short show. It wasn't very long, no. Um... But there's a character called Iwasawa in it, and she's the leader of the in-band uh, Girl's, Girl's Dead Monster, Monster. Um, which turns out to be a real band in real life. Oh. So, Or at least they do the music. I don't know if they call themselves Girl's Dead Monster, but yeah. um, it's still active. And they have a song called My Song, uh, which is sang by Iwasawa's voice actor. And it's a really, really sad moment during the show where... 
Angel Beast, which is one we want to review eventually. It's essentially people that are trying to move on from this weird afterlife. Yeah, and they've died, and they're... They kind of have to fulfill... Because they're their childhood. Yeah, because they're all children still. Well, teenagers. Yeah, which had a fucked up childhood, and she ends up performing against all the odds mm-hmm. and disappears, and it's just a really sad moment, and you can't do it justice in description. No, you really can't. And it's one of those scenes and one of those animes in general which I advise going out to see because we thought it was retarded the first yeah, two episodes. Yeah, it started off so goofy and ridiculous that we didn't think it would ever, you know, go anywhere, but... Slowly over time, it just got more and more serious, and the plot just got thicker and thicker and better. And it and ended up being the saddest anime that I've ever watched. Yeah, it's then one again, of the saddest. Clannad's pretty damn close. Yeah, that's up there. But it was one of the saddest that I've seen. But I really enjoyed it, and it was it was a pleasant surprise what it became. Yeah, it was one of those shows where what the fuck am I torturing myself by watching this and being so depressed? Yeah. <laughs> I watch anime for fun, but. It has many feels. And to cry a lot. Yeah. All the time. So, um, now we have the same one, right? Yeah, the next one we both share. Well, I'll let you go ahead and start on it. Our next one is, again, by Yui from the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood series, which we'll be reviewing today. Yeah, that's the first opening from season one. And normally I'm okay with animes changing their theme song up. But we really like this one. Yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> God damn it. There are a few others we've there, gotten that I like. Bro- okay, Full Metal Alchemist, their theme sucked. For the most part. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, their theme's so awesome. Yeah, they did a really good job on the themes. Like, Rain is really cool, yeah. other than the odd ending, yeah. where they sound out of tune as hell. Yeah, um, the of vibrato. But um, there's another one. I can't remember what their name is, but... um. Like, I think it was the second opening's pretty good, but it's the grower. Yeah. And, like, all of those songs have the potential, like, to get you get really into after you've heard a few times. They're but catchy. Yui, again, was awesome from the get-go. Yeah. And they it match it. You. And it ma- And it's, like, it seems like they put more work into that, like, the animation of the opening. Yeah. More so than any other one that they did. Yeah, at a, at a few And points. Yui, again, just seems so freaking awesome for it. Yeah, at a few times, Winry's actually singing the lyrics so you can tell they put a lot of effort into that particular opening compared to the others so i think whatever appreciation i have for this song it was definitely amplified by the The opening animation um it was just a really fun it was really got you into it um the battles with the homunculi during the beginning of it and yeah yeah it was that that definitely makes the top of my list if i had to choose out of one of these i completely agree but there's there's so many that I wanted to put on here, but when I got into thinking... Yeah, it took me quite a while to put this list together, because I've seen so many. I started watching anime when I was seven years old, so... Like, for a few honorable mentions, one of the oddest songs which I would have made, which was done, like, by a cheesy American Four Kids band, um, was the Pokemon Johto Season 2. Like, mm. that theme was catchy as hell. It was. Uh, my, I guess my runner-up would be... Uh, Ningyo Hime from uh, Chobits. Yeah, the end. Was so that an ending theme or was it, it I think it was ending. I'm not under, No, it was ending. They kept the same opening for the entire se- Let Me Be With You was the opening. For oh, okay. Yeah. But, yeah, there's, sort of like, there's a whole bunch of different songs out there. Like, I mentioned Rookies uh, is punked. Their Blue Exorcist, I think it was their second opening. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. No, the first one was awesome, too, but their second one done by Rookies fucking amazing it was like it just got you into it because at that point they'd 
built it up, they built the show up so much with this whole battle against the demons where it was lighthearted enough but heavy enough that it got you into it. Yeah. But that's enough for our top five because we're going into top seven, eight, nine, and ten here. We'll keep <laughs> talking about it. So um, we're going to move on and we'll have the uh, lines open up soon. But we're going to be talking about Full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And we're going to start off with the back um, with a bad bit of the background on the anime and then we'll get into the discussion about Alphonse and Edward Elric. But before I forget, you guys should check out our good friends over on pastelbunbun.com. It's your one-stop shop for everything Kauai. All items are 100% cute and original, so give them a like on Facebook. Check them out. We know the uh, owner personally, and she's a kick-ass <laughs> individual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was just kind of a kick-ass. Yeah, just a kick-ass. Hey, kick-ass is an awesome superhero. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, to you, maturity 101 yeah. here on Addicted to Anime. That's what marriage is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... Both Full Metal Alchemist series follows two teenage brothers, Edward and Alphonse Elric. Uh, they go on a journey for a, something called the Philosopher's Stone to return their bodies back to normal. Their journey began not long after the passing of their mother, and in mourning, they trained and researched a forbidden type of alchemy, human transmutation, in hopes of reviving their dead mother. Even with all the ingredients of the human body and even a drop of their own blood, uh, they failed in bringing her back, and in the process, Alphonse lost his entire body as a toll, and Edward lost, I believe it, was it, I know he... He lost his leg for Alphonse. Yeah, but I don't remember what side it was. Or, sorry, no. I think he lost his right arm. His right arm and his left leg. He lost his left Left leg leg for for the the mother, mother. and then he lost his right arm for bringing Alphonse back, because what he did was he transmuted his own arm. Um, Basically, he saw a suit of armor. And he used his own blood to carve a blood seal on the inside of the suit of armor. And then he says, you know, it's my only brother. Give him back. And uh, he trades his arm, basically, to transmute his, to bond his brother's soul to the armor. But what we're going to have to do before we talk about that in more depth is tell you what the hell alchemy is. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not an easy answer. No, it looks like magic, but it's in this anime, it's very much a science. Mm-hmm. Um, their world works considerably different to ours, and that's explained a bit more in the first one than it is the second one. Yeah. Um, there's two types of alchemy in the world. There's, um, at least in Brotherhood. Yes. Al- and there's alchemy and alchemy. Mm-hmm. Now, explaining how the hell that works exactly, they never really go into depth on that. They go a little bit, but not enough. Alchemy is um, the nation of Amestris, which is where the whole show takes place has grown to use alchemy usually as a form of weapon. Uh, I guess the lesser alchemists that aren't state alchemists will sometimes use it to fix things, like things they've broken. But more often than not, it's used as a weapon in Amestris, as opposed to the neighboring country of Xing, where they use alchemy as a medical art rather than a weapon. And this is a law for alchemy, which is called equivalent exchange. Yeah. Basically, if I want to make something, I have to give something up of equal value. Yes. And so if I want to make a wooden clock, yeah. I would have to use the neighboring materials around me. Yes. And, they, and give up an equal amount to transmute those materials into said wooden clock. Yeah, you can't take 
wood and turn it into something it's not. Like you can't take wood and turn it into diamonds or something. Maybe if you had coal, you could turn it into diamonds because they're made of the same thing. But in the end, you can only do so much mm-hmm. unless you have a philosopher's stone. Now, uh, the Philosopher's Stone, as we mentioned, that's what they're on this whole journey for. Philosopher's Stone basically allows you to surpass the limitations of equivalent exchange, which all alchemists are binded by. Yeah. Um, Say if you've lost an arm, lost a leg, lost your sight, um, you can gain all that back without having to give anything up or give something minimum up. Yeah. Um, the only other rules of alchemy I can remember is at least in a mistress, you're not allowed to transmute gold. Yep. So you keep the economy in check. Yeah. No human transmutation. No obviously. human transmutation. One, because it's inhumane. And two... They didn't want people creating an army of soldiers. And if you try it, you'll get fucked up by what's known as the truth. Yeah. Which is a whole other item which we'll go into later, but... Pretty much what you need to know about alchemy is you have to have the right materials around you to use it. Mm-hmm. You need to draw an alchemy circle yeah. or have the ability to produce one. Yeah. You have to have the abilities as an alchemist because only certain people can be Yeah, them. not everyone is an alchemist. And pretty much don't if you, um, if you don't do equivalent exchange, you will have a backlash and it will end up at your fault. Yeah, it's called... Um I forgot what it's called when that happens, but it's not it's not pretty at all. It's a rebound, that's what it's called. Now, my opinions on alchemy in general is it's a really cool concept. Mm-hmm. It's not explained thoroughly enough. Yeah, that's very true. For some of the silly shit they put in and dragged out through, especially in Full Metal Alchemist, yeah. not so much Brotherhood. Yeah. Because Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood's constantly moving. Yeah. But even that had enough time where they could have cut some silly shit and gave us a more description on alchemy. Yeah, that's true. That is the only issue I have with the whole alchemy situation. Alka history was is fine in enough where they tell you it's for medical use and long range. Yeah, long range use is pretty cool. But yeah, that's the only issue I have with it. If mm-hmm. they'd done a little more, if they gave it, and I have, I do apologize if any of you guys can hear beeping the truck outside our house, and there's not much we can do about it. Yeah. And even if I slash their tires, their siren still works, so it's a bit of an issue. Just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. So that takes us to the main characters. As we were talking about Edward and Alphonse, now that you have a background on what alchemy is, the situation with these, as we mentioned, their father's left. Yep. Their mother's dead. Mm-hmm. And they're two boys mourning, and they have no real way of handling it. They'd yeah, they're be- very young when it happens, like maybe like eight yeah, probably. And they had been researching alchemy after their dad had left. Their dad left behind a bunch of books. And because when they transmuted, their mother got... She a, would praise them mm-hmm. whenever they uh, did, made something and say, oh, you are their sons, blah, blah, blah. So with her encouragement, they kept studying it. And uh, eventually, she they come home and she's passed out on the floor and she's dying. And that's where the whole story begins. Um. So, yeah, where do you want to pick this up, then? Well, um, maybe talk a little bit about Ed and Al. Ed is the older brother. He's one year older than Alphonse. They both look very similar to each other. Um, Ed is more outgoing and more of a risk taker. Al is more that voice of reason. Um, They also grew up around their neighbors, the Rockbells, who happen to be automail mechanics. 
Panaco Rockbell was actually an old drinking buddy of their father. She knew him basically since she was probably in her 20s or 30s. And um, she had uh, her son, Yure, and his daughter, or sorry, his wife was Sarah, and they had a child together named Winry. And Winry grew up with Adenale, and they became very, very close friends, basically like family. Uh, And then basically when they find Ed has lost two limbs and Al is completely missing a body, um, Ed decides he wants to move on with his life and try to figure out how to get Al's body back. So that's where the auto male comes in. Now, auto male is quite different from our type of human prosthetics. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's a weird situation. This whole world, it's like so it's like nowhere near as advanced as our world in technology. Yeah, they've fucking got totally working mechanical limbs that can attach, like, freaking machine guns to yep. and stuff. It's really interesting, because our idea of prosthetics, they don't work. You can't sit there and individually move your fingers. You can, but it's very new, and it's only a prototype. But in this world, Ed, Ed can manually move every single finger, every single toe. He can do it to the tiniest little, tiny movements. It's attached to his nerves which is extremely painful <laughs> the first time and every time after they need to take it off to make adjustments and put it back on. He's not happy about it. But uh, automail is definitely very different from our version, and it's uh, it can be made out of many different types of metals. And because Ed is an alchemist, he has actually used his automail to tra- transmute his automail into weapons. Swords, which is, the cool, which is his main weapon, which yeah. he transmutes often to get the best of his enemies. And guys, uh, just to remind you, if you guys want to call in, you can go ahead now. The number is 760-512-7247. And we're going to be talking to uh, you guys very soon with our first segment of trivia, which is going to be pretty interesting. Um, It's a bit of a call-in incentive, get you guys familiar with us. You can go ahead and check us out um, and see if you have a decent amount of knowledge on anime. Yeah. Um, so we just uh, we just got done talking about Ed's background. Um, is there much more to talk about Alphonse? Alphonse or? is pretty much he. They share the same background. They grew up together. They're very close and uh, Ed, and they're very protective of each other too. So there's not much more about that. Winry is worth mentioning. Um, both her parents were doctors in the war and they died well over there, which we will get into further later. All right, so we're gonna start. We're gonna move on from um, the Alphonse and Edward conversation, and we're gonna start with our first trivia question. And uh, basically, we've got a few questions lined up for the evening. You guys can call in whenever you want to answer one of them, and once one of you gets it right, we'll move on to the next question. Mm-hmm. So the first question I've got for you guys uh, lined up is an easy one, and it's going to be familiar with this particular anime. The others that we've got lined up aren't so much. Who are Edward Elric's English and Japanese voice actors? You can call in over at 760-512-7247 or the listed number on your browser. Or you can click the Skype logo and you can call in via that way and give us your thoughts on Full Metal Alchemist and see if you can get this trivia question right. Again, the question is, who are Edward Elric's English and Japanese voice actors? So, um, with that, we are going to get into the next partition of the conversation, which is the world that yeah. they live in. And 
<laughs> Sorry, I just got a message from Anna. But um, I'm going to let you uh, pick up this conversation. And what do you want to go into first, the Ishbal well, Wall? Or? Well, first, we should say the country they live in is called Amestris. Uh, it became created about 400 to 500 years prior. Uh, and we'll learn why it was created later, to, later on. They have neighboring, neighboring countries. Uh, one is called Kreta. The other is called Drakma, which the Briggs Mountain is uh, bordering. They're constantly uh, kind of that. It's similar to a Cold War where they're constantly afraid of each other and all that and paranoid. And then the other neighboring country, which you actually learn a bit more about, is called Xing. Uh, which where some of our main characters happen to be from. Sheng is very similar to Asian countries. I'd probably compare it to China. Uh, Drachma, I suppose, could be compared to Russia. Russia, Soviet Russia. It looks very similar. And uh, they never really go much into Kreta, but uh, there is a little section of Amestris called Ishval, where uh, there was recently... I wouldn't call it a country, though. More it's so not a country. It's a I just land. said it's part of a mestris. Oh, sorry. I missed That's that. That's okay. Um, it's part of a mestris, and there was recently a civil war there. Um, basically, there was a... They were there. The, the, the military was there. And while the military was there, supposedly a military person shot an Ishvalan child. Supposedly. Now, the Ishvals... The Ishvalans, uh, they have darker skin, they have whitish, silvery hair, and they have red eyes. No race that we can really compare it to no, in our world. It's their own made-up one. Yeah. And basically, this shooting of this Ishvalan child started a huge civil war and eventually led to the Ishvalan War of Extermination, where the Fuhrer basically ordered all people in Ishval to be put down. And it led to a lot of horrible things, a lot of really, really terrible things. Now, Ishval is part of a mistress, unlike the other places. And it, it led to a huge war that just went on and on for years and years. And there's still a lot of um, tension. Even though the war is technically over, there's still a lot of tension between a mistress and Ishval. And there's a particular few characters that get really affected by the war. Yeah. Um, that is actually the war that Winry's parents got killed in. Yeah, um, that was by one of the uh, main Ishvalans that are trying to extract revenge now. In in Brotherhood. Yeah, that's true. Um, in one situation, Roy Mustang, who was the one that brought Edward into the, the military, military, killed Winry's parents. On but, orders. On orders, and the other one was Scar. Um, and it wasn't even that Scott wanted to kill her. He, he was, was delirious. He was delirious from having just lost, lost a, lot a whole of blood. lot of blood. Yeah, and he, he saw, saw their blue eyes, blue and blonde, eyes blonde hair. hair, and they freaked. He freaked out. You know, he thought he was in the clutches of the enemy. And blew their brains up like he would. Yep, that's what Scar does. Actually, he didn't have his abilities then. Or yeah, he, he did. He didn't blow their brains up, though. If I remember right, he sh shanked them. I don't know what they did. I, I can't think he remember. grabbed a utility from the medical area and sliced them up pretty good. Maybe. But uh, violence in anime. Woo! Um, so, yeah, the war affected a lot of people, and there was one particular character that probably did the most damage in the war, and his name... Oh, Jay Kimbley. Well, we'll just call him Kimbley for short, since no one ever correctly responds. I don't think they even mentioned his first they've name. They've only mentioned it once. They were probably on roll call. Edward mentions his name. But um, Kimberly was, uh, he, they actually, in one anime, they had a Philosopher's Stone. In the other Ishval War, everyone had a Philosopher's Stone, yeah. a fake uh, Philosopher's in Stone. In the original, there is, you can create a fake Philosopher's 
for stone. It'll, it won't be as strong, but it'll be extremely powerful. And they supplied all the state alchemists with a fake philosopher's stone, and that was how they won the war within basically a day. In the 2009 version, Brotherhood, only Kimberly was given a philosopher's stone, probably because they knew he was a freaking psychopath and would gladly use it. And Kimberly was an interesting character. He just decapitated, slaughtered, exploded. He did not give a crap. No. Nope. He truly is probably the most evil character, and I would say more evil than some of the homunculi. Yeah. Um, but that was pretty much it for the Wattishful War, yeah. for as much as you can cover. Um, Scar, should we talk about him now or later? We can probably cover him in the next bit. But okay. as far as my opinions on the Ishful War... I thought it was a really cool concept just to build all this tension and give a backstory to... A corrupt military. Mm-hmm. And the reason this whole war is even made is just so they can slaughter them for more Philosopher's Stones. Yeah. It's to get into how a Philosopher's Stone's made, you have to sacrifice so many people. Yeah, it's really, really bad. Um, there was one neighboring town called Xerxes that got slaughtered hundreds of years ago, but we'll go into that later. Yeah, the main discussion we've got for the uh, Brotherhood versus 2003 is where we're going to probably touch on versus pretty much the differences, what's better, what's wrong, and where we can really get down and into what this is all about. And again, if you guys want to call in, you can use the number listed above the browser window or 760-512-7247 or the Skype logo. Again, where trivia question so far is who are Edward Elric's English and Japanese voice actor? Um, so if you know who that is, feel free to call in and let us know who you think those voice actors are. And if you're right, maybe we'll keep you on and we can talk a bit. Yeah. So, um, Brotherhood versus 2003. There are some major differences. Major. And that's why we only briefly covered prior because... Pretty much after, what, the first ten episodes? They're completely two different animals. And even during those first ten, there's some differences. But yeah. it really dropped off after a certain point. First, we've got Edward Elric and Alphonse Elric, who are traveling the world. And they eventually start fighting something called homunculus or homunculus or mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. It's a goddamn weird word. Yeah, it is. And... Uh, they are creatures that have amazing regenerative powers. Their core is a philosopher's stone. That's only in, in Brotherhood. Brotherhood, yeah. In 2003, they are fed red stones, which are the fake philosopher's stones. Yes, there are two ways that homunculi are brought into this world. In the 2003 version, just normal female alchemist, they are the result of failed human transmutation. Mm -hmm. which there's never been a successful one. They've all been failed. Uh, in the 2009 version, they were created by a person named Father. At the same time, they were created by someone, though, yeah. in, two, in the 2003, by a woman named Dante. Yeah. However, she couldn't create unless she had the memes from a human failing to transmute. Yes, exactly. And so the, she would find them when they were a huge mass of festering flesh on the ground and they were hardly functional, and she would ooh. feed them philosopher's stones and bring them back to uh, some semblance of humanity. 
And homunculi are weird because, like, in 2003, all they want to do is get the Philosopher's Stone for themselves. To become human. Mm -hmm. It's all they want. They want to be human. Now, in 2009, the Brotherhood series, also everyone can get a Philosopher's yeah. Stone. It's like freaking Oprah's gone into a mess and gone, you get a Philosopher's Stone, and you, you get, get a, a Philosopher's, Philosopher's Stone. Stone. Look under your chair. There's a Philosopher's Stone. But, uh, <laughs> basically... They don't, in the 2009 version, Brotherhood, they look down on people. They don't want to be human beings. They are proud of what they are, homunculus. They're very proud of it. They don't want to be people. They're immortal. They're powerful. Yeah. They're destructive. Yeah. And their entire existence is working for father. Mm-hmm. And the reason they exist in that world is because once upon a time, there was a homunculi named what was called the dwarf in the flask homunculi mm -hmm. and he was really not much at all he was just a little floating black blob mm -hmm. with an eye yep and he was actually pulled basically he was pulled out of the gate of truth yes which is essentially a portal to everything that's alchemy yeah god in a way yeah and this little dwarf in the flask all he wants is a quest for knowledge. Yeah, um, all he wants. He starts off very innocent. He just wants to know everything. He has a thirst for knowledge, and he is created by um, uh, somebody taking the blood from one of the slaves. Slave number twenty-three. Yep, in and the country of in the country of Xerxes. Hundreds of years ago, four hundred years ago, yeah, to be exact. Yeah, if I'm thinking right, yeah. And this is Owenheim. Yep, von Owenheim who actually gets his name from the dwarf. Yep, the dwarf names him. He asks, what's your name? And he says, well, I'm slave number 23. He says, no, what's your name? He's like, that is my name. I don't have a name. I'm a slave. And at this point, this uh, little thing plants the seed in Hohenheim's head saying, don't you want to be free? Don't you want to learn? And he's like, fine, I'll teach you, and I'll name you. I'm going to name you von Hohenheim, blah, blah, blah. And they become friends. They get to know each other very well. You can tell that Hohenheim, who is, of course, if you didn't know, Edward and Al's father, um, he, you can tell he ages mm -hmm. quite a bit in the time in Xerxes. So it's got to be at least 10 to 15, maybe 20 years. He becomes an adult eventually. Because when he meets him, he's only just mm -hmm. a child. By the time he's an adult, the, the uh, homunculi in the flask ends up fucking everyone over and... Mm -hmm. He convinces the king of Xerxes that he has the key to immortality. And he does, but he tricks the Xerxes. And instead of, they're told whoever stands in the center will be spared from being sacrificed and turned into a philosopher's stone. Now, the center of what, exactly, is a human transmutation circle, which yeah. is a city-wide. Yeah, it's city-wide. So it's hard to say exactly where the middle is, but uh, he tricked the King of Xerxes into thinking he was standing in the middle, when really he had Hohenheim standing in the middle. And what he did, he was sacrificed a whole city, yeah. and including the king. And it was 50,000 people or something. Into not just himself, but into... Hohenheim as well. And because of his blood and creation from Hohenheim, he became... Hohenheim. He looked just like Hohenheim. He was a twin of Hohenheim. And they then, they could never die. They were immortal and they had ridiculous amounts of power. Yeah. So that's why 400 years later... Hohenheim is still around. He's created... He got married and had two children. And the jar and the flask ended up being this, what we know as father. Father. And... He got rid of his seven sins. Yeah, he which, decided that in his thirst for knowledge, 
he should get rid of the seven things that would make him the most human, which would be the seven deadly sins. And that's where the homuncular came from. Yes. He extracted those sins and turned them into living things. And I love that concept. Yeah. It is awesome. What they did in Brotherhood, I loved the idea I of do. them being failed human transmutations. I do like that idea too. Now, what I didn't like about the Seven Deadly Sins in 2003's anime was... A you, lot of them weren't even like their did, sins. Yeah, they didn't represent what they were meant to be. Lust was the closest, maybe. Well, gluttony was Gluttony, the okay. Gluttony was the closest in both of them. Yeah, gluttony really did represent gluttony. Same it, voice actor, same I'm always hungry type yeah. attitude. Now, Lust was probably the second. Lust was in the fail in 2003. 2003. She was the failed human transmutation of Scar's brother's girlfriend. We never find out who Gluttony's is, do we? No. He was cre- in the 2009 version, he was created as a fake portal to the truth. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, so anything Gluttony eats goes Which into a different... Which makes sense, because Father wanted to open the gate so badly. Yeah. Uh, his greed. Anything Gluttony eats gets transported to a different dimension of sorts. It's not actually his stomach. It's a different dimension. His hunger for power, it kind of represents... Gluttony. Yeah, perfectly... Yeah that you want to open the gate with that. Yeah. Um, now, of course, this always begs the question, we know the boys did human transmutation. So, obviously, in the 2003 version, their mother had to be out there somewhere, which we do eventually see. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, who else was a failed human transmutation? Uh, Wrath. Wrath. Oh, yes, Wrath is important. Now, when the boys were younger... This is the 2003 anime. Yes, this is the 2003 anime. When the boys were younger, they uh, went to seek to learn their alchemy from a woman named Izumi Curtis. Um, she taught them basically everything they know. She's kind of strict and a little mean, but she... By strict, she means batshit crazy. She she loves the boys, and she has these weird motherly instincts that you wouldn't expect from such a cold woman, but we find out that the reasoning for that is she thought she would never get pregnant. When she finally did, she lost the baby. And heartbroken, she tried to bring this baby back. And um, in the process, of course, she failed the human transmutation, and half of her guts were taken from her. She's hardly alive. She's constantly throwing up blood. And uh, her baby got turned into what this version is called, wrath. Now, to point, so we don't have to go over this point, she did the same thing in Brotherhood, but obviously... It doesn't have any more effects other than she fucked her stomach up. Yeah, the the baby never became anything. Yeah, just, so, no. yeah. Yeah, Wrath and the normal FMA and Wrath and Brotherhood are two different people. They're not even similar, not even close. And what was interesting was Wrath had Ed's arm and leg. Yeah, that was the weird thing. But we learned that when Ed went through the portal of truth, these little hands and weird little shadow people and the truth were ripping away at the things that he was supposed to give up as a toll. Now this little thing got a hold of his um, arm and leg. Now Izumi knew that she had to give up this um, horrible botched baby thing. So she brought it to the gate and she gave it up to the gate. And so that botched baby was living in that gate until he was about maybe four or five years old. And took Ed's arm. And when Ed came in, he uh, grabbed Ed's arm and his leg 
and he uh, saw it as an opportunity for escape, and he got out of the portal and into the real world. Well, he grew up with a fully functioning homunculi. Yeah. And, again, he's another character that doesn't represent wrath. No, he's not very wrathful at all. In fact, I don't know what, if you had to put him in any of the sins, what would you put him in? That's really hard to say. Maybe Envy? Yeah, he's, yeah, you know what? He's closer to Envy than Envy was in the 2003 yeah. anime. In 2003, like, she does, is there any other characters that really represent their thing correctly? Other than Gluttony, no. Gluss to a degree because she's... Sexy? She was, she liked to fuck Scar's brother? <laughs> well, no, but that was when she was a normal human being. Yeah, but she and had those memories. Her, yeah, but that was also her boyfriend. That wasn't, you know, that wasn't her being a whore. That was her boyfriend. They were in a long-term relationship, and they loved each other. So, you see, even when you try to make her slutty, she's not slutty. She's not. But, oh, yeah, and homunculus keep some of the memories of their former selves. And what other homunculi are there Sloth in the 2000s? Sloth was so poorly done. Sloth was... A failed mother. human transmutation of Edward and Al. They, she looked like their mother, and that was about it. That was it. She, she wasn't could lazy. turn into water or something. She could turn into liquid. She could freeze. Well, no, she couldn't. She got frozen. Yeah. But she was just very poorly. There good. was nothing slothful about her. She worked uh, in the military. That was about it. Yeah. There wasn't much to her. And I think that pretty much... And Envy... We'll was, go over pride in a yeah. bit. Envy wasn't too bad. No. Um, she was jealous. He. Sorry, she looks like a. It looks like she. I don't think Envy like has a. a she. I don't think Envy really has a preference I'm to what it he, it, he is. I think he's kind of gender neutral as far as things go because he can turn into so many mm -hmm. things. And his original I form. I don't care what gender it is. It's just confusing as hell. Yeah, his original form is a little green thing. It, it's not male. It's not female. It's just there. Like I'm confident the voice actor, at least the English one. Is a woman. Yeah, probably. And that's why it's throwing me off. Yeah. If you hear a woman's voice, you typically go, her. Yeah, it's just, that's natural, yeah. But um, do you want to go over Pride now? Yeah, or might do you as wanna... well. Okay. Pride is the Fuhrer. Pride, in the 2003 anime, Pride is Fuhrer King Bradley, the king of the entire nation of Amestris. Now, obviously, this makes the government extremely corrupt. And that's a big problem that Ed and Al come in contact with. Uh, in the 2009 anime, Brotherhood, the King, King Bradley is still a homunculus, but he's wrath. And Pride is his son, Salim Bradley. Mm -hmm. Now, in the original, Salim is just an innocent little child. That has nothing to do with any of this. But in, in the Brotherhood, which is more closely related to the manga, Salim is not innocent at all. And Salim is actually ages older than Bradley himself. Mm -hmm. Bradley is actually probably the young, one of the youngest homunculi. But Salim was the first that was ever made, and that's why his true form looks so similar to the dwarf in the flask. Mm -hmm. He looks almost identical to him, just a bigger version. But with this, we should probably shift on to the homunculi in, in Brotherhood. Now yeah, then. yeah. Um, but yeah, Salim is probably... Um, the first homunculus that the dwarf in the flask ever created. Pride, and it seemed like when he breaks out of his body and turns into the shadows, it looks exactly the same as the flask yeah, and so, the truth. Yeah, he lingers in the shadows. Uh, he can only move so far in one form. Yeah, you can, you have to, he has to stay in his container, mm -hmm. otherwise he'll die. 
Yeah, um, it, it's really interesting because that is pretty much what the dwarf in the flask was for so long. Yeah. Um, what about homunculi? We've got we've covered Wrath, which yeah. was so much more accurate. As oh the yeah, the Fuhrer was a great. Don't get me wrong, he had pride, but he's a better Wrath because all well, he does fair, is destroy and kill. To be fair, the Fuhrer is going to have a lot of things in him because the Fuhrer was created from a human being. The Fuhrer was abandoned as a child, as a human child. And he was raised by the military who was under father's reign. And they trained him in sword art and all types of um, history things, anything a Fuhrer would need to know. And they raised, I don't know, maybe 50 others to and be the Fuhrer. And it's interesting. Look, if you accidentally sliced one or stabbed someone, they'd like the scientists around and be like, oh, it's okay. He's just... He's just you. here to help you get better. You yeah, know, don't like, feel bad. And eventually the Fuhrer is summoned when he's maybe 18 years old, summoned into this room, and they strap him down. And he's obviously very scared. And there's people, he sees bloody corpses. Mm-hmm. And they inject him with a liquid version of the Philosopher's Stone. Which And, and the way the Philosopher's the Stone others. works is it binds to your body and damages it and mm-hmm. heals it. Yeah, it basically destroys your body from the inside out and then rebuilds it. And most people can't survive that process. And that's why those other people were dead. He was the 12th person. I'm not I sure, think. but he survived it. And he, he was the only one that survived. Fury King Bradley. He doesn't even know his real name. That's just the name they gave him. They were, he pretty much woke up and he was like, you will be Fury King Bradley. Yep. And that's where, but he still has some semblance of humanity in him. Not necessarily the good parts, but he... They're there. That's why he still has things like pride. And this like must have happened and a energy. long time ago prior to when this actually, when the mistress was built because he, when he finally dies, he ages instantly. No, he said he's only in his 60s. He ages normal like any other person. Why did he go all gray then when he died? I don't, maybe a homunculus that was originally a human dies differently than the other homunculus. Who knows? But he, he states very specifically he ages normal hmm. like a human being would. He mentions that and he says... Uh, when talking to, I think it was Envy or Greed, I can't remember, but he says it's such a pain getting old, not that you would know. Mm. You know, because none of the other homunculi age. Only Bradley does. Um, all right, so whatever. Envy's an interesting one. Envy was well done. Um, Accurate to being envious. Yeah. And you don't really notice that until the final moments, which is actually probably the most appropriate time to reveal it. Yeah. Um, Envy is the homunculi that famously killed... Maze Hughes. Yeah. The way he, it, she, whatever did this was... Turning into Hughes' wife. He's a shapeshifter. Him. Envy's a shapeshifter. And shot him, transformed into his wife, so he stood there stunned and hesitated and got shot. Yep. And the scenes that followed that death were fucking sad as hell. They really were. I mean, they're neener dog sad. Yeah, Nina Dog said. It's that's like a, sad. That's like a rank of sad in Full Metal Alchemist. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty sad. But that's it's, a unit of measurement. It's like, that's pretty sad, but is it Nina Dog said? <laughs> yeah, it was very, very upsetting when they're burying Hughes and basically his daughter is going, Dad, why are they burying Daddy? Mommy, don't let them do that. Daddy has work to do. He can't do it if he's in the ground. Why are they burying him? And it's so sad. Yeah, and um, the saddest part about that is Mustang's looking up at the sea, like sky, and going, 
oh, it's raining, and she's like, Reese's. Uh, Reese's a Hawkeye's like, like, no, it's not. And then he sees him crying, and he goes, oh, so it is. <laughs> it is raining. I'm totally going to pretend you're not crying It was right such now. a sad scene. It was really, really, really dumb. And I, what I love about Raph is um, later, like, as a villain. Yeah. He's like... Oh, the see... reason my hands were trembling at that funeral was because of Reb Mayhew's brat child crying. It was annoying me. Yeah, he's like, like Salim would never behave like that, blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> it, it it really shows you he's... You know, if I, in the beginning, when I started watching this, and I didn't know that Wrath was a homunculus, I thought that he was a rather likable character. I thought he was a really interesting character. Just the fear on his own without knowing as a homunculus. And then that just, bam, hits you when he says that. Like, I was, sh- my hands were shaking because I was angry that this brat would be screaming and crying. My child would never He used the word furious, didn't he? Yeah, he was, I was like, furious. He was, he was so pissed off that yeah. he was mourning her father's death. I was like, wow, you evil son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, one homunculus, oh, we're talking about envy, though. Wasn't yeah. It? So. Envy, uh, after killing Hughes, like, finally has a showdown with Mustang and admits, yeah, I killed him. Mm-hmm. And he transformed back into Hughes' wife when he admitted it. And Mustang's face was, like, all shocked. And she was like, huh, yeah, that face, you're not going to believe it. That's the face that Mace Hughes wore when I did this, too. Yeah. But then I shot him dead. And... <laughs> Probably the worst mistake Envy ever made. Yes, it is. Because what I like to call Mustang rape face. Yeah. Jesus Christ, this was probably the most epic part. This is my favorite episode of the whole series. Mustang just... Goes nuts on Envy. And like... He's the flame alchemist. He's the only flame alchemist. So he specializes in using fire. And he has precision striking. He's like, I'm going to stop by burning your tongue out. And... Burns her tongue he burns out. his tongue out, yeah. And then it's like, do you know what it's like to have the liquid in your eyes bubble and burn, and precisionly aims it in her in his eyes and burns slowly his- just walks envy down throughout the hallways and annihilates him until yeah. because a homunculus after they regenerate a certain amount of times they can't do it anymore. Yeah, they lose their ability to. Regenerate. They either die or they return to their weakest form. And for envy. True weakest form is this tiny little slug thing. Yeah. Kind of a newt. Yeah, more like a newt. Yeah. And he pops out of the dead body and he tries to get away, and uh, but that's when Full Metal and Reza Hawkeye show up. And it, the showdown, what happens where you truly find out how envious and horrible this little ugly creature is, is they, basically they're all working together, enemies that have killed each other, and like you've got you've, Scar working with. Mustang, Mustang murdered all his people, and Scar's killed. Winry's parents, parents and yet Alan's metal, working with them. Full Metal and Roy are bickering constantly, and yeah, Reza's flame alchemy from her family's being used to destroy Shvalans. Yeah, it's weird that all these are working together, and Envy's hates just it. hates it and so envious that and he wants when, them to destroy each other. He tells them this is the perfect opportunity. Why don't you kill each other? You'll never get another chance. Yeah, and it's like it's. And she couldn't stand the fact that humans, when they're backed into a corner and they're so, it looks like the odds are all against them, they keep moving forwards. Mm -hmm. And it just strikes a horrible blow to Envy, and Envy commits suicide. Yeah. Well, first, he was going to be murdered by uh, Roy, but Reza and 
yeah, Riza and Full Metal stop him and say, is this the type of person you want to be? Look at, and Riza says, look at your face. Or, no, no that was Full. Scar. Yeah, look at your face. Is this the face you want to uh, have when leading the country? Because he wants to be Fuhrer. And he realizes how wrong he was. And Full Metal's like, he's not going to survive long out of his body anyway. Just let it go. And, yeah, Envy actually starts just sobbing, saying how pathetic, you know, and then, you know, Full Metal actually says, you you envy us, don't you? You envy human beings. And that's when Envy starts crying and saying how pathetic and how could I be shown up by the pipsqueak, how terrible. And then he reaches in her, his mouth and he yanks out his philosopher's stone and creates a, and commits Dice. suicide, yeah. And it's, it's, it's sad because you've been looking forward so long to... Envy's death. You what, really hate Envy. Like when she, when he's getting his ass kicked, it's like so horrible. Yeah, it's uh, really And it brings satisfying. the mood down so bad. When he's crying and sniveling on the floor and being pathetic, it's, you it almost takes feel away so, the satisfaction of his death. And it's like he's truly just an ugly creature that knows nothing but envy. Yeah. And I was like, damn, you just like I'm I'm angry, but I feel bad for you. Yeah. And I feel bad for you more, but you killed Hughes. Yeah. No one fucks with Hughes. No one fucks with Hughes. And it was, um, as far as other homunculi go, I think we've covered Lust is pretty much the same. Yeah. All Lust does in Brotherhood is die. Because, <laughs> like... Oh. She's also killed by Roy. Yeah, because someone's going to kill it, might as well be Roy. Well, she threatens to kill Riza. Mm-hmm. At which uh, Roy will have nothing to do with that. He will protect Riza at all costs. Um, so I think we've pretty much covered all the homunculi except for Greed. Greed. Is now, one the of reason my we kind of left Greed to last is because Greed's a whole other topic. He dies very early on in the original. Um, well, no, no, in the original, he dies right at the end. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, that's it with him. Like, you only get one version of Greed, and that's yeah, that. Yeah, the Greed in the original was just an asshole homunculi. Yeah. He was greedy. Yep, he led he, a group of Chimera, but that was about was it. was pretty accurate, actually, in yeah. hindsight. He's pretty accurate. Yeah. In the original as well. In both, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he dies. He has this human shit. He has the, like, the best shield in the world. And yeah, Ed his figures skin out can how turn to, into the hardest carbon on Earth. Yeah, and, and Ed figures himself. just to transmute the carbon or transmute yeah. his own stuff. Transmute so. the carbon into a weaker form of carbon. And fuck with him. Yeah. And that's what kills him yep. after his remains is brought to him. Yep. Yeah, in, in the original anime, if a homunculus is brought into contact with the human remains of the human they were transmuted from, they become extremely weak and can hardly move. And vomit up their redstones. Yeah, they'll vomit up their redstones, which are how they uh, regenerate the redstones. And so we get to the point where Greed again ends up getting killed in Brotherhood. In Brotherhood. But it's totally different. Yeah, he's killed by Father. Mm, I thought he was killed by Fuhrer Brad. No, he's, he's fights Fu- he fights Fuhrer Bradley and gets captured. Yeah. Because greed is so greedy that he went against all the other homunculi. Yeah, he wanted things that the homunculi couldn't get him. Because he's greedy. He's yeah, the true he's greed, yeah. And he's greed the avaricious. Even that version of greed you don't hate. No, he's just 
They're, he's, he's there's something likable about him. He's fun, and he leads a group of chimeras, and mm-hmm. they're fun too. And he actually seems to be somewhat protective of them. In the yeah, original, it's his in the original, he never says anything like that. He actually tells Al, "Get Mar- Martell away from here. Keep her safe." Now, in the other one, well, the in the Brotherhood, he's like, "Yeah, those are my possessions. You don't uh-huh. take my possessions. And if you're killing my my men, you may as well be stealing from me." And I don't like that. And that's why he kicks the shit out of King, or tries to kick the shit out of King Bradley. Sure, King Bradley, because King Bradley killed his chimera. And what happens then is he destroys this greed and makes a new greed. Yep. And the reason, the way they make it is, now we need to talk about Ling a bit to introduce yeah. that. Ling is from Xing. Yep. Ling Xing. Ling is the 12th son of oh. the Emperor of Xing. And he won, and they are they're all losing power. All the different families. Yes, there's there's forty something children, and basically he wants to save his clan. And in order to do that, he has to discover immortality, and and he has to uh, basically the king is dying. So. And he wants a philosopher's stone. Yep. In order to save his clan, he has to discover immortality. So that's when he runs into Edward, and he's trying to learn all about what Edward's looking for as well. And it starts off as this really annoying. I'm going to eat all your food kind of... He seems as comedy, comedy relief, but he's, he's had, he has some of the most character growth in the whole series. He does. And he has two people that accompany, accompany him, Old Man Fu and Lan Fan. They work, they've worked for his family for generations. And uh, basically... They basically, he's guardian him. ninjas. Yeah, he's ninjas. He doesn't have any alchemy, uh, alchemy powers. No, he, he's, uh, he can sword fight. He's very good at sword Yeah, he's very good at he that. He matched King Bradley blow for blow. He's kind of a sick person, and he occasionally faints out of nowhere. Which is not good. No. Um, basically, he decides, eventually him, Al, and Ed all become friends. And he's trying to help them destroy, I can't remember who it was. They're fighting father in the... Um, Gluttony. They're fighting Gluttony, and later on when they're fighting father... Because mm-hmm. they burst out of gluttony after the Yeah, they get him. eaten by gluttony, which, and no one, with envy. Envy's in the stomach with them, mm-hmm. and they have to all work together to get out of there. And when they get out, gluttony's made his way to Father's yes. lair at that point, so when he spits uh, when he spits them up, it's... In Father's lair. Yeah, so, uh, but at this point, Ling meets uh, the homunculi, and he wants a philosopher's yeah, stone, and, and they're like, you want a philosopher's well, stone? Yeah. <laughs> we'll clap one in you, and take you over, and make you the new greed. Yeah. Well, he's such... Most people would fight that, but he's like, wait, I've been looking for a philosopher's stone, and you're just going to hand it to me? Okay. So Greed takes over the body, but Ling is such a willful-minded person that... That he sticks around. And this is where this new Greed comes from. So him and Greed are sharing this body. Now, in the beginning, Greed is the one that always has control over the body, but Ling is always in his head poking at him and annoying the crap out of him. And eventually, over time... Greed will let Ling take control and talk sometimes. Because one, they can tell when homunculi's around. So yeah. if these homunculi's tracking them, he'll be like, let me take over. Let God me take over, okay. yep. Ling can tell when homunculi are around because he can sense their chi. And whilst they have a hostile relationship, they actually become friends. Yeah. And it's a really sad death for Greed. I cried when Greed died. Um, that version of Greed. It mm-hmm. was very depressing. In the very final battle... Because just to say, this greed breaks away from the homunculi as well. Again, yeah. And this time he decides to partner up with Ed, Al, and everyone else to save the country of a mistress. 
I remember when he broke up, he got in a fight with Fury King Bradley like the last yeah. time. Yeah. But I don't remember why he got in a fight with him. Oh, um, what happened was um, he was in the tunnel and he came in contact with Beto, one of old breed's chimeras. Beto immediately recognized him, even though he was oh, in his a different body. And when he killed Beto, he got this horrible feeling and all these memories came back to him and he freaked out and he started screaming and he broke into Fear Kings Bradley's house and tried to beat the shit out of him. Saying, why the hell am I got all these Why memories? do I have these memories if I'm not the same greed? And I think he's also mad at him for killing the chimeras. It, it just, it was a big mess and that's how he became estranged. It was, wasn't so much that he wanted to split from them, it's that his head got fucked up yeah. and he tried to attack the king. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of made wars with them now, so he can't go back to them. No. So, if you can't be, so if you can't uh, be with them, you're gonna join the other guys. Yep, my enemy of my enemy is my friend. So he starts teaming with Ed, and eventually they have a final showdown with the main homunculi, Father. Yeah. Now to get into that, basically Father is trying to do a huge Amestris White transmutation circle. That's like millions of people. Now Amestris was built for the sole reason by King Bradley. No, but, not by King Bradley. King Bradley's only 60 years old. Well, you know what he meant. He was the one that orchestrated this the state He orchestrated Ishval because then he had a blood seal there. Yeah, but he was the one that was chosen to lead Amestris. Yeah. It wasn't a country in, with military rule. 400 years ago, they did have other rulers, and they were all under father. Every single one of them. They go over it in the episode where they're in the tunnel in Briggs. They go over all the problems that happened in Amestris over the past 400 years. And they say, okay, well, this happened in 1550-something. This happened in the 1600s. All of these are wars with bloodshed. And they say, now, Amestris' inception was around 400 years before that. Hmm. And they said these wars have been going on for so many years, and now we're just realizing Amestris was created just to be destroyed. That's what happened. Yeah, All he, these wars. That was it. Yeah, he was the he was made the state alchemist so he could orchestrate the next lot yes. of wars. All of these wars happened at particular points on the map that created a transmutation circle. To create philosopher's stone. Yes. But this one, this worldwide one, well, a countrywide one was. It uh, started 400 years ago, but it's ending under Bradley's rule. And the reason for that is, is because for Farber's ultimate plot. He's been doing this for years just so he can essentially absorb God. Yeah, he wants to create a philosopher's stone big enough to commune with God and swallow God. So he takes everybody's... You've got a better memory of this. He takes everybody's uh, stones. Is this really something we should be talking about yet? It's the We're very on end of the, the anime. section, so yeah. Okay. Um, we haven't even talked about Scar yet. but um, talk about him anyway, time. It's fine. But basically, he takes everybody's souls on the promise day. And uh, this is where Hohenheim comes into play. That has nothing to do with the homunculus anymore. These are this is the end of the anime. So, uh, father over time. Sorry, not father. Their father, the boy's father, Hohenheim. He has these souls inside of him. And we eventually learn that he can talk to each and every one of them which Father didn't think was possible. But Hohenheim has been able to talk to each person that's stuck in him. And they all want revenge, every single one of them. And they want to save the people of Amestris because their bodies may be gone, but the people of Amestris still have a chance, and they want to save them. 
So he goes out and he plants these philosopher's stones. He pulls them out of his body and he plants them all over the country. And that's one of the reasons he left the boys, to stop father. And uh, basically, they also draw a um, counteractive um, alcohistry circle. And basically, it he absorbs the souls, but then the moment he gets them, they're yanked back out of them and sent back to their bodies. And that's all thanks to Hohenheim and the people of Xerxes. Even though Xerxes, the people of Xerxes died 400 years ago, they're still living inside of Hohenheim. And uh, Hohenheim uses them to save the world, and that's how they wanted it, too. They told him that. So that's pretty much what Farber's plan was. And we'll get into what happens in the final moments after mm-hmm. we talk a little about what Dante is. Because that's yeah. the only other homuncular-related character we've not touched. Yeah. Uh, Dante was a weird one who was actually Hohenheim's lover in the 2003 anime and they both wanted eternal life and pretty much sacrificed everyone yeah they would sacrifice people and then steal their bodies and stuff and they would constantly decay but they used the philosopher's stone to stay eternal yes the soul can only stay in a body that isn't its own so long before the body begins to decay and fall apart. And they need a philosopher's stone to be able to do that. Yeah. So they wanted to stay together forever, but... Eventually, I think Hohenheim sees what a rotten person she is. And, and falls in love with... Trisha. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The boy's mother, and that's what leads her to continue doing her thing with the homunculi to get another philosopher's stone, and that's what leaves Owenheim leaving the boys because he wants to stop himself from basically running away. Yeah, he doesn't want them to see him rot. So um, that pretty much back covers all of Owenheim and Farber. Yeah, Hohenheim really isn't that big of a deal in normal series. Yeah, it's like in 2003, it's just like, eh, I'm Owenheim, I'm rotten, and yeah. That's it. <laughs> His background is far more interesting in Brotherhood, and I really appreciate that. Um, but before we actually talk about the final two endings and what happens yeah. with those... Uh, we'll talk about some of the characters that we kind of left off and go through them and then culminate to uh, what happens in 2003's ending and Brotherhood's ending mm-hmm. and whose was better. Okay. Uh, but, oh, again, you can call in at 760-512-7247, all the number listed, all via Skype, and we can talk a bit of trivia, and we can um, talk a bit of Full Metal Alchemist and get your opinion. So, once again, that's 760-512-7247, the number listed, all the Skype logo. All right. So, basically, who should we start with, Roy Mustang? Uh, there's a lot of characters. Um, well, I'm, I'm not going to go over everyone we wrote down. Just Roy Seaton. There is a big difference between Roy and the original and Roy and the other. So Roy Mustang in 2003's anime. Mm-hmm. Sniveling coward that killed Winry's parents on an order and now feels depressed about it. Yeah, he that's, almost killed himself, but um, Marco begged him not to. That's all that's to say about him in that yeah, one. Yeah, there's not much about... In Full Metal Alchemist 2009, Brotherhood. He's a big deal. He has ambitions to be the Fuhrer in both of them. Well, he does in both, yeah. yeah. But he's always there to help out the Elrics. He's front and center when the military's going corrupt. Mm-hmm. And he leads a revolt against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he leads a revolt against them when everything's going pear-shaped. His love interest with Riza is 20 times more Stronger, in yeah. Um, and he really shows sorrow for his actions initially. Yes, he does. Because he seems more upset about Winry's parents than he did Ishval in the other one. Yeah. In this one, it's like uh, he was so 
mourning over Ishval, and he wants to make it right. He yeah. doesn't want to just take the easy way. He doesn't want to kill himself and go cry. He wants to actually turn to this the, country around and fix things with Ishval. To the point where he'd even put himself on death row as a criminal. Yeah. Um, now, he was a student to a man that happened to be Hawkeye's father. And that's where he learned flame alchemy. Flame alchemy. He's the only alive, he's the only living flame alchemist. And uh, the rest a, of the secrets are tattooed on Riza Hawkeye's back. Yeah, and after the Ishval War, Riza saw so many things she didn't want to see as a sniper. And uh, she begged him, I want you to burn this tattoo off my back. After you, there can't be any flame alchemist. And he begged her not to do it, but she said, if you don't do it, I'm leaving. End of story. And he burned it off her back. They didn't show it, but it's pretty much implied that he burned it off of her back. Um, that's a big difference between that. That never happened in the original. Uh, Riza, it, it's a much stronger relationship and brotherhood mm -hmm. between the two of them. And her awesome little dog, Black Hayate. Black Hayate is <laughs> awesome. That dog is great. <laughs> um, Scar is a big character. Yeah. Dr. Marco first, I'd say, though. Dr. Marco is the whole reason that in the 2003 anime they had fake stones. And, and in the 2009 one, why Kimberly had a Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. He constructed both of these um, objects so they could amplify their alchemy and he, win the war. He used uh, Shvalins that they captured to create the stone. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's very, very repentant. He hates what he did. And he's quick to offer himself to Scar when Scar wants to kill him. Now, Scar was a man that survived the Ishvalan War. Uh, he happened to come in contact with the horror that is Kimbley, and Kimbley gave him that huge scar on his face by trying to blow his face up. And uh, he, only in the original, the other one, he just happened to get it from injuries. Yeah, from the injuries, yeah. But um, basically, his brother found him laying there, and his arm was missing. So his brother used alkahestry to transfer his arm onto his brother, onto Scar's arm, so he wouldn't bleed to death. And that's why and his brother happened to have alchemy all over his arms, tattooed there, so he could use his arms to construct and deconstruct. And he gains those powers. He gave him the deconstruct arm because that was the arm that was missing. And, you know, giving him the wrong arm would be silly. Um, so basically, he's he uses that arm to kill state alchemists. He goes around killing state alchemists because he feels they've done something terrible, which they have, but the. He's also killing people that have nothing to do with the war. Like, he's trying to kill the Elrics. He goes after a lot of people. We find Dr. Marco. Marco actually, in the original, Marco throws himself on the guy and says, it's okay, you can kill me, I understand. In the other one, eventually, Scar actually takes pity on the guy because he seems to be repentant. And he actually blows up his face, kind of how Kimberly did to him. Just so people couldn't find him. But they, he did only enough to mess up Marco's face so people wouldn't know it was him so he could leave, live a free life. And then help he, Scar. He ends up uh, traveling with Scar and Yoki and uh, little May. We should talk about May. May, what's her last name? May Chang. May Chang. Mm -hmm. May Chang is um, from the same country as Ling. Ling. She uh, is a princess. She's his half-sister. And essentially has the same story as Ling. She needs to find a, a image immortality so she can save her clan and she has elk history powers unlike Ling yeah and she's a very good warrior and she ends for her size she's and, only 11 
And you'd think she's five. Yeah, she looks like she's five. And she ends up joining Scar's party. Yeah, Scar, Yoki, and Dr. Marco all travel together. And that's she, very different compared to the other. And original. she has a tiny panda that looks like a cat. Yes, a tiny little panda named Xiaomei that she carries up. She saved Xiaomei when Xiaomei was a baby. Well, not a baby. She was a sick little panda. But um, definitely Scar is extremely different. Marco's very different. Marco dies very early on in the original, yet he never actually dies in Brotherhood. He died in the original? Lost killed him. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's one of those situations where um, the original anime just didn't utilize that character well enough, and he became such a crucial part where he helped a lot of people out. Yeah. So did Yoki, really. Yeah, Yoki and the original. Yoki made one appearance in the original, and that was it. Oh, we're not going to get into him, though. No. He's really an insignificant no, character. No, he saved their life one time, and then that was it. There's not much to Yoki. Yeah. He's a sniveling little bureaucrat that happens to do the right thing by the what? end. <laughs> um, so, yeah, is there any other characters that are really that important? Hughes, I guess. Yeah, Hughes um, stood by Mustang's side and told him he'd support him so he could become the Fuhrer. And he was just such a likable character that would always talk about his daughter and his wife and how awesome he they were. He was the comedy relief. He but... was the comedy relief. And, uh, God, you, my husband and I actually met Hughes' voice, English voice actor at a con, and you have no idea how badly I wanted him, wanted to ask him, will you go on a rant about Alicia for me? Pretty please. Pretty please, will you go on a rant about your daughter? Because he'd always call Roy to go, oh, she's so cute. She turned two today. Oh, you should see her in a little swimsuit. She's so cute. And if you check out Full Arrow's uh, comedy dub, Full Metal Alchemist, well, No Metal Alchemist, um, it's a funny abridged series. Mm -hmm. And he has this big picture of Alicia up during the Roy versus Edward battle, and she's knifing a teddy bear's neck. <laughs> and the fans are like, oh, she's killing that teddy. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes of that. So you should check out Full Arrow's work. It's a really fun abridged series. But he's he is the comedy relief, but he's also that support system that Roy really needs. And he's always been the support system for everyone. He's always helped the Elrics when they need it. He's been there for everybody. He took his nose in too many things, and that's why he ended up getting killed. And that's why it was so sad when he died, because he was that support system that everybody knew and loved, and now he's gone. Uh, Armstrong is funny to talk about. The strong arm alchemist. He also happens to be sis brother of the woman that runs Briggs Mountain. Uh, he is a huge muscular man, but he is a big softy that just loves everyone and everything and likes for some reason to rip his shirt off and flex his muscles. But yeah. he always jokes. He, he's always saying things like these. So-and-sos have been passed down the Armstrong generation or Armstrong family for generations. Yes. And he's voice actor at a panel, actually. There was, there was like, dude, are you on drugs? And he's like, these drugs have been passed along the Armstrong family for generations. Yeah, really cool guy. I wouldn't mind meeting him. Well, I giggled when at one point Olivier, his sister, who is much different than him. She's not big and muscular, but she can kick ass, has great sword skills. She's a little cold compared to him, but a she's, she's a good woman, though. Like, she's not evil. She's cold, but she will do whatever she can for the people she cares about. That's true. And um, she's like, this sword has been passed down the Armstrong family for generations. And well, I was, God damn it. <laughs> you too, Olivier. <laughs> but she's she runs the Briggs Mountain, and uh, those are the people that are bordering the north uh, of Drachma. Mm -hmm. And um, basically, they're protecting the country from drachma, which is kind of a bit of a cold war going on. But um, 
she helps the Alrics later on, but they have this rivalry between the two of them, Armstrong versus Armstrong. She doesn't like Alex because Alex abandoned his post at Ishval. Because he couldn't... He couldn't take the killing. After the child... Well, it wasn't so much the killing of men, it was the killing of children. It was the children. Yeah, he, he really a, couldn't take there's it. There's a picture of him just sobbing over a child and his teddy bear. Yeah, he's just... He, he looked weird without his mustache, but yeah. he was just bawling and he had to leave. Like, he was sent away because he couldn't keep himself together and she thought he was a... But he's just another character that's done better in the Brotherhood series yeah. than in the 2003. I agree with that. And so was Hughes. I think there's not one character they did better in the original. I can't think of a character they did better in the original either. They had some cool Maybe Show Tucker? Yeah, that's probably accurate. Show Tucker? But only because Show Tucker doesn't die. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, suppose that's true. Yeah, if you, you it's kind of it's kind of hard to compare that when Show Tucker was the psycho that died in one and Show Tucker was someone that was a constant yeah. in the other. And really, besides being freaky and making weird shit... There's not much to He made chimeras. Them. That's about it. He made himself into he a chimera. He used his, five, his three-year-old daughter and her dog and fused them into a really depressing, horrible thing. And that's that's what we're talking about, Nina. Nina dog sad. That's like <laughs> the criteria for judging how sad something is. <laughs> It's horrible, and Steven is always posting things on our group about Nina Which and her Which is Facebook.com slash Addicted Anime Fan. Cheap plug. Cheap uh, plug, but he's out whenever he feels like being depressing, that's what he posts. Mm-hmm. Nina and her dog. They're so close, they're almost I just want to walk into someone's like funeral session, and like over a weeping woman, and just put my arm around her and go, It's okay, honey. Don't worry. It's, at least it's not Nina Dogs. Nina Dogs. And then just walk off. You're and, a jerk. And just leave. Because... I, I would love to see her reaction. She would have no clue what you're talking about if she didn't watch that. Probably movie. attack me. Probably. Yeah. You deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll wear a biker helmet when I do it. <laughs> <laughs> you're a dick. All right. Who's next? Uh, let's see. Leah got Scar and all of the Ishval people. Oh, Maria Ross. Mole lady. I know who you're on about. Fucking um, mole lady. That's how you... Mole lady. <laughs> Well, she was blamed in Brotherhood for the murder of Mace Hughes. You mean she didn't do it? <laughs> and basically, Mustang, she was framed because Envy wanted to give Mustang something to do to stay out of their business. She was framed by Envy, and they were probably going to put her to death. So Mustang tried to help her get out by helping her fake her death. He didn't tell anyone except for Ed and a few other select people. And he didn't even tell Ed until much later on. So this whole time, Ed thought Mustang was a cold-hearted woman killer. But he basically, uh, he made a fake human corpse out of pigs, dead pigs, I think. And uh, he didn't put a soul in it, so it wasn't human transmutation. But And then he burned it, attached Maria Ross's um, Name tag. Name tag to it and made sure the teeth matched hers. And uh, then he sent her off to live in Shang for a while. <laughs> that was definitely very different. I think outside of her, there isn't anyone else to really cover. Well, we we can... hit Sh- did we hit Shaska, who helps them rebuild? This woman rebuilds an entire library from her mother. She's mind. not that important. Though. Literally, she's just a comedy She's character. actually more important in the first one than she is the second, which her and Winry make some type of weird alliance. Yeah, but she didn't really do much other than she was a Mace Hughes assistant and she yeah. helped rebuild the library. She's comedy related. That's another but... thing where I felt Hughes was such a good guy. When he figures out what's what's going on, he knows he'll be in danger. He goes, Sheska, you're fired. Don't come back here ever again. Because he wants to protect her. 
Cause she's like, like, finish that work, also you're fired. <laughs> but I think that pretty much covers everyone, and we can go and wrap the endings up and compare the two. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say so. Now, the ending of 2003 we'll cover first. Yeah. It was... Horrible. I wouldn't know. I don't think horrible's fair, but it was a fucking letdown. It was. Um, so the situation with the ending of Full Metal Alchemist 2003... Ed dies because he gets in, he's in a fight with Envy. Envy reveals that, and it's his true form, which is very similar to, to Hohenheim and Edward. And Edward, yeah. But, and, and they're you, like, "Wow, he looks so similar to Ed." And that distraction, much like the Mace Hughes distraction, gives Envy enough time to impale Ed. Well, you find out Envy was the failed human transmutation of That's the child out, of the child of Hohenheim and Dante. So basically, Envy is the brother of Ed. And, and that's now. why he hates Owenheim. so much. Yeah. By this time, Owenheim's been transported to the other world. Yeah. And Ed's gone there and come back. Yeah. And eventually, Ed's once... Uh, eventually, Alphonse, who is now a Philosopher's Stone... Yeah. Um, Scar dies in the first one. Scar dies in the first one, and what they do is they make... He made... Ed Alphonse into the Philosopher's Stone. By sacrificing soldiers that were invading Lior. Um, and, uh... So Alphonse... Scar never dies in the other one. Mm-hmm. No. He kills the Fuhrer. Yeah, he kills the Fuhrer. And he kills then, him dead. He kills him dead. And yeah. then he goes on to help the uh, lieutenant, the guy from Briggs to help make amends with Ishval. So, basically, the ending of it is Alphonse sacrifices himself to bring Ed back. Yeah. With his both arms. Yeah. And Ed's like, oh, yeah, thanks, bro. I'll sacrifice myself now. Yeah, it's a never-ending circle of sacrifice. Um, at this point, Dante, the leader of this, has been killed by gluttony. Yeah. After she transformed gluttony into his pure form of gluttony. Yeah, gluttony was so depressed about lust dying that he couldn't function. So she did something with his uh, Ouroboros tattoo. And turned him into a mindless eating machine that couldn't even think. But it ended up being her. He ended up being her, so that didn't end so well. Um, (laughs) And uh, with that, um, Alphonse is brought back because Ed sacrifices himself. And Alphonse has his body, however, he has no memories. And Ed is transported to? Germany. Sorry, it starts in London. London. Yeah. In our world, world, in World War II time. Yeah. And, well, pre-World War II. Um, and apparently the gate of truth, rather than being God, it, is it, our world. Yeah, it, it um, Envy attaches jump, the two worlds. Envy actually jumps through the truth as well to go after... Hohenheim, mm-hmm. yeah. And becomes a dragon. Yeah, for some weird reason. But we're not going to go into what happens after that in the movie, because that's in Conqueror of Shambhala. It's ridiculous that they had to make a movie to end it. Yeah. They could have easily ended just, it with two or three more episodes. Yeah. And do you know what? Uh, this is this is the summary of the Conqueror of Shambhala. Alphonse yeah. goes to London and Germany too. End. Yep. And everyone's depressed because they'll never see Edward and Alphonse again. And then being in our real world contributes nothing, gives you no fulfillment. And the other version of Alphonse dies. Yeah. So, yeah. what the hell did that series do? Like... It, it was great that they made a movie because they realized they fucked up. That's good that they did that, yeah. But, but why would you not bring them back to a mistress to be with their family Winry and everyone instead of just leaving him fucking depressed? 
Yeah. It's like it doesn't leave you feeling not, good. I'm glad the brothers got reunited, but they're stuck in this different place with no alchemy and no family or friends. The end. That's it. It's fucking depressive. It's stupid too. Yeah. Now, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, they have a huge battle which probably lasts five episodes. Yeah. Father's final form when he like absorbs God is so overpowered that it takes the Briggs army, the Central's army, Alphonse, Ed, Ed Owen Home, Owen Heim, Owen Home. <laughs> I made a new character. Owen Heim, Owen Home, who is now his apparent sidekick. Uh, Greed. Greed, Ed, Teacher. Yeah. Like every badass character from um, Roy Mustang. Roy Mustang. Who's now lost his sight. Yeah, they, they forced him to co commit human transmutation so they could use him as a sacrifice, and in return, his eyesight was taken not, from him. Not only did they use the Philosopher's Stone, they needed several people that had seen the truth. Yeah. Which was Ed, Alphonse, Azumi, and. Mustang. Yeah. But Mustang hadn't seen the truth. They made him commit. So they made him see the truth. And took it, and he lost, because he tried to commit human transmutation, well, yeah. forced to, he lost his eyesight. Um, so what happens with that is the final showdown is that he's being weakened so he can't control God. Yeah. That allows everyone to... Yeah, because they, the what Hohenheim had been preparing by planting his Philosopher's Stone forced him to return all the people of Amestris, and they all did die. Um, Winry, everybody died, mm -hmm. and they had their souls taken straight out of their body and plucked into Father. But unfortunately because, well, fortunately, but unfortunately for him, uh, all his souls were ripped back out of his body, and they uh, he couldn't hold God inside of him anymore. And But he killed them in for a long time and uh -huh. fought them, and they still couldn't beat him until greed until he tried, until he was losing power, he realized he needed a philosopher's stone. So he grabs hold, he plunges his hand into Greed's stomach, who's also Lang, and uh, Greed and Lang have this really sad monologue. Well, not monologue, but they're talking to each other inside the head, and Greed is telling him, "I need to go, you know, kid, let me go," because Lang is trying to keep him inside his body, saying, "No, you don't have to do this." And he's like, kid, I really, I, I have to, you know, don't be so stubborn. And he finally tricks Lang and says, okay, okay, I'll, I'll stay. We'll do this together, right? And then he punches Lang in the face. The moment he lets go, he's like, sorry, kid, I got to go. And, you know, he gets pulled into father. And Ling is all depressed about it. Ling grew to like greed. They became friends. And they had this symbiotic relationship going on. But basically greed screws him over. Yeah, he's like, he's. He tries to take father over because he's greed the avaricious. He yeah. wants world domination. Yeah. <laughs> but what happens is father kills greed. Yeah, rips him out of his body and kills him. But it's enough to weaken father. But the sad but happy thing was greed was smiling when he died. Yeah. Uh, he you know, I finally got what I wanted. You know, I didn't realize I wanted it, but I wanted friends. And, and he got, got that. that. Yeah. And he was finally died happy. Yeah. Um, there was also the fight with Salim. Salim's fight was... Salim was breaking down. His body was falling because apart. Because of Owenheim's fight. Yeah, and... And um, it was Kimberly who he had absorbed earlier... Yeah. ...that ended up doing the similar thing mm -hmm. and fucking Salim over, allowing yeah. Ed to kill him. Yeah. Not kill him, but drag Salim out of... Like Envy. 
um, he had an original form, and basically Salim was transformed into what looked like a little fetus. And uh, that fetus was later returned to Mrs. Bradley to raise. But we'll get into that on yeah. the summary afterwards. And as you can see, this ending is so much more in-depth. Yeah. So the final showdown is they're still struggling to beat Father, even after Greed's weakened him. Yeah. Alphon, everyone's down, but Father starts walking towards Ed, who's impaled yeah. by his arm and stuck via screws. Yeah. That were just, like, jagged out of a building. Yeah. Um, that he got thrown into. Well, the end result is Alphonse uh, uses long-range alka history to give up the soul that mm -hmm. Ed transmuted to give Ed, Ed his, his arm, arm back. back so he could get unpinned and defeat Father. And Ed fucking goes psychotic. Yeah, and May is sobbing because she had to help him do such a thing. And yeah, and he beats the shit out of Father. Yeah. And that's when Father loses control and... Kaput. Yeah, Ed kills him. Yeah, and he's returned to the gate. After his body, after he can't control God anymore and blows up, Father returns to the gate as his dwarf in the glass fort, dwarf in the flat fort, yeah. and has just reduced this pathetic little thing. Like, what did I do wrong, God? Why didn't you want to blend with me or whatever? And I, was like, I just wanted to know what this world, I just wanted to live free. Yeah. And that's what he was saying as he was dying, and Owenheim felt so bad because that was the little flask. and the That dwarf, was the dwarf in the flask he knew. when and he was friends were, with. Yeah. He was just this little guy in the world that wanted to know more. Yeah. He said, I remember Hohenheim said, what do you want out of life? And he said, I hate to be guilty of asking too much. Back when he was still in the flask in the 400 years ago, he said, but I think right now, all I want is to be out of this flask. I want freedom. Yeah, that's all I wanted. And it turned into something terrible. And in the end... That's how it came down, and Al and Ed made his last transmutation. Yeah. He drew a huge, big-ass human transmutation circle and transmuted himself through the gate. Yeah. And just met God and said, I'm going to give you this, and pointed to his gate of truth, which taught him everything about alchemy, yeah. and said... I'm willing to give this up if you give me Alphonse. And God seemed happy. Yeah, God said, he said several times, now think carefully about this. You won't be able to use alchemy ever again. And he's like, it's not even a question. I just want my brother back. You know, I don't need alchemy. He'd I've gotten figured, by without it. He figured out the answer that God wanted. He just... And God was like, good job. And he was really excited about it. He's like, you win. You can take him. Take him home. Yeah. <laughs> but it was... Um, it was all just because a human had finally fucking figured out yeah. <laughs> the right answer yeah. and not to try this forbidden shit that was down. Yep. And he rewarded him for everything that he'd done, basically, and gave him Alphonse back. Yeah. and with the whole body and everything. And the only thing that Al uh, Ed didn't have was his leg. Yeah. Because Al he gave had... him his arm back. Yeah. Uh, he'd lost, he still lost his leg. Because his leg was for his mother. Yeah, so, so he, he, that was his fuck-up. Yeah, you can't get Al that back. Gave He's on back. Yeah, so he ha the only auto mail he needs now is his leg. And we finally get a summary of everything that happens. Ed's, Al's going to travel the east. Mm -hmm. After he gets his muscle strength yeah. back because he's very yeah. atrophied. And he's going to search Alka history. With May. He's going to mm -hmm. go to Shang and study with and May. And Ed's going to search the west, and they're going to continue their research. Mm -hmm. But prior to him leaving, he... Uh, Basically confesses his love to Winry in the most <laughs> stupidest way ever. He's like, I will... It's equivalent exchange. I'll give you half of me if you give me half of you. And she's like, well, that's stupid. Why don't I give you all of me? And then he's like, like, hang on, half? All of me is a bit much. 
How about, how about 85%? How about 75%? No, that's too little. 85? 85's a good number. <laughs> They're both so awkward and it's adorable. <laughs> and it's a, it's, a, it's a cute ending before they hug and kiss goodbye and mm-hmm. Ed goes off on his train and we finally get the credits roll. But what the credits reveal is basically what everyone was doing in their afterlife. Yeah. For Not Roy, afterlife. Well, you know, sorry, after. Yeah, after the, there's yeah. pictures. Yeah, and Roy Mustang, who's now got his eyesight back because he used Marcos Philosopher's Stone. Stone. Then also used the Philosopher's Stone to give one of his men his uh, ability to walk back. Who was a minor character named Havoc. Yeah. Um... He eventually becomes Fuhrer by the looks of it, which yeah. we're going to assume he has mm-hmm. the traditional Fuhrer mustache. With hat. Hawkeye by his side. Mm-hmm. Uh, May grows up and becomes mm-hmm. a tall person, which I didn't expect. Yeah, um, There's pictures of her with Alphonse. Scar and another Briggs soldier who yeah, has fallen ends up becoming keeping their religion alive yeah. by traveling the world and Major preaching. Miles. They him and uh Scar and Major Miles help them help Fuhrer Armstrong Armstrong Wow. Fuhrer um Bradley Bra- no the Mustang. new Fuhrer Mustang. Fuhrer Mustang, I'm a little sorry, I'm a little out of it. He helps they help Fuhrer Mustang to fix these problems mm-hmm. that have been going on between Ishval and the Mestres and try to get rid of that tension mm-hmm. and that hatred. So that's what they're doing. And who else has a good, uh, interesting history? There's a few things that Well, happen. Winry and Edward had two children. Yep, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, a boy and a girl. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, um, Ling becomes the Emperor of Shing. Ling becomes the Emperor of Shing, and obviously... Oh, can't... and he promises May that he will make sure that her and all the other clans don't die out. Yeah, he's like, well, I had a homunculus inside him. There's nothing wrong with me becoming friends with your clan. Yeah. <laughs> so they finally get an ideal world and it's pretty much a happy ending where everything is resolved you see like all the loose endings they took care of in the credits yeah you have 51 fucking episodes in full metal alchemist and you couldn't give me a full realistic ending yeah that's bullshit yeah it is it's silly that they had to make a movie full metal alchemist brotherhood they put too much into it admittedly but they was following the manga so they had yeah, to yeah yeah and that's why they got 64 episodes. I still think they could have cut that down. Yeah. So At least they had way less filler than FMA yeah. did. FMA, the original series, was entirely... Well, not entirely. It was a bulk load of filler. Sh- it was a whole filler. bunch of side stories. Not Bleach bad, and not Goku and Piccolo learn to drive bad. <laughs> but it was, it, it was unnecessary. Yeah. They fit into the story, but you just didn't give a shit. Yeah. Um, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood never did that. No. They didn't insult your intelligence either. <laughs> now, we don't, but there's a few spin off series for Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood which we've not got to touch on, maybe sometime in the future. But we're going to go ahead and give our full final thoughts on Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and Full Metal Alchemist and see if we're addicted to it. What about you? Uh, Full Metal Alchemist. As a whole, I enjoyed the series. Yeah. I'm not going to say it was a bad series. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, me too. I think after I watched Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, I became pissed off with it. Yeah. It was like... <laughs> I didn't realize what I was missing until I watched Brotherhood. It was... They followed the first bit of the series the way they should have. Yeah. After that, they trailed off of a lot of filler. Their concept on the homunculi was very well done. Yeah, I liked that was it. cool. I liked that too. 
I did not like Dante as a villain. No, she was boring. Literally, I'm an old lady, now I'm not an old lady, now I'm dead. Yep. <laughs> that was Dante's role. And Dante sucked. It was anticlimactic, Dante. Owenheim, their father, you didn't grow to like. You thought, you're a dick. You're not kind of it. less of a dick, but you're still a dick. Yep. <laughs> didn't care about him. In Brotherhood, you actually grow to see why he did what he did, and he had such a huge, lengthy history, mm-hmm. and, you know, you realize he just wanted to be a good father. And now, and finally, when it finally ends, okay, great, he got his buddy back, and now they're not together anymore, and everyone's depressed because they're missing Ed. Yeah. Conqueror Shambhala, oh, yeah, they're together. Now, all their friends and family, which we've got to know over 51 episodes, because you have to put 51 instead of just doing 50, because you were fucking awkward, and we lose them. And it's like, what has this series done to make me happy and fulfilled at the end of it? Nothing. All this long 50 episodes, and I get shit on. That's what it felt like. Yep. So, as far as Full Metal Alchemist, I'm not addicted to Full Metal Alchemist 2003. No, me either. Like, I enjoyed it. It was a good watch. Um, But I wouldn't call it addicted, especially after watching Brotherhood. Now, Brotherhood is the perfect idea of a series where it went long, but it was followed the manga. Not as much filler. I don't think there was any filler in it. Mm -hmm. It could have been cut down. Yeah. Some of the... had great music, as opposed to Full Metal Alchemist, the original... The animation and art style was a significant, oh, yeah, the significantly better, and that's just, and that's not so much Full Metal Alchemist original fault. It's just a series. It's of, a different time. Yeah. yeah um, like 2003, 2009. There's a few years have passed. Technology gets better. Yeah. 2015's anime is going to be better than 2014's. It's just the way it is. Yeah. And. But still, even the art style was better. Yeah, cleaner lines and more vibrant colors, just better. Um, so, and the plot line left you feeling fulfilled. You went on this big journey following two boys that fucked up, and they resolved it, and they had a happy life. They lost a lot of people, they gained a lot of people, and whilst you felt so sad in certain parts, you felt relieved afterwards, and you was happy that you'd watched it. Yeah. And you didn't feel cheated, you didn't feel like you needed a movie to complete it. There were no loose ends, no cliffhangers. And that's what pissed me off about the Full Metal Alchemist. It's like, okay, you've given me this movie to complete it. I appreciate that you realize that you left it unfinished. Yeah. Shouldn't have been. Why did you botch the movie ending then? Why are they not all... Like, I don't understand, unless you're going to start a second series, which they shouldn't. No. Why are they stuck in our time? Yeah. It's stupid. Yeah. So... Brotherhood didn't do that. It didn't insult my intelligence. I didn't have any qualms of it. Overall, I'd say I'm addicted to Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I am also addicted to Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I would watch it again and again and again. After watching it twice, I need a break. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> um, I watched no it more in my original run-through. Then I binged it to remind me of this series, this uh, show. Yeah, I'm going to wait a few years before I do it again, but it's one of those animes where I feel I could watch it a few times before I get tired of it. I'd say it's going to be a few years before I can rewatch it, unless I had to. Yeah. But 
It's a fantastic series. I'm glad I watched it. I'd recommend it to anyone. Me too. And I recommend you check out some of the bands that play their openings and their endings because it's great musicians. Um, obviously, the popularity gained them notoriety, so they right. were able to get the best bands, which in the way that Code Geass did, along with Pizza Hut. <laughs> it was Pizza Hut, right? The Code Geass? Uh, I believe so. It was one of the pizzas. But it was what? Pizza Hut. Okay. So with that, that pretty much concludes... Our review of Full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. There was a lot to get through, so it's kind of hard to do it in chronological order. Yeah. And break it down, especially with two series. But I think we covered both series and what was better and what was right. And I think overall it's clear that Brotherhood is the superior series. I agree. I am glad I watched both. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed a lot of the things that the original had to offer. But all around, Brotherhood was cleaner. It left less loose ends. It had more intriguing characters and a more complicated plotline. So with that, we're going to wrap things up with a few plugs, and we'll get out of here. First off, as I mentioned at the top of the show, PastelBunBun.com. Go and check them out for 100% cute and unique gifts. Um, and Anna Stoll, who runs it, is an amazing uh, artist. She does a lot of great work, and... We personally have purchases from her, so it's not just me blowing smoke up your ass. I'm telling you straight that you should check them out. Really good work. Definitely. Um, also, check out all the shows that we have on Mega Powers Radio. Tomorrow on Monday, after Raw goes off air, Monday Night Raw, WWE, uh, which is going to be a huge show. We've got Hulk Hogan returning, the network launching. We're going to be giving you our thoughts on Elimination Chamber. We're going to be giving you our thoughts on the show in general. And we always have a lot of fun. We always have a lot of callers. And we've got the debut of a new co-host, well, a new host on the show. He's a really interesting character. Uh, he likes to milk the suspense, and you're really going to enjoy meeting him. Um, as far as what the rest of the uh, shows we've got going on, we've got Geek Speak, uh, The Dace Man Show. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some of us, but just go out and check out megapowersradio.com. It's the same channel that you're listening to here. You can find out all the good stuff. Also, check out fanboysanonymous.com. I write there all the time. It's got all the great geek culture. You'll find this podcast there to check up on all the old episodes, along on iTunes and uh, various other outlets on YouTube. So, for me... And also, check out UDMMA, Unanimous Decision MMA on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash UDMMA and twitter.com slash UDMMA. For this show, check out facebook.com slash addictedanimefans. And after all those plugs, it's time for us to go. I don't think you've got anything to say, right? I have nothing to say. No plugs for Jana. Nope. So, remember, check out Mega Powers, check out Fanboys, check out UDMMA, check out Pastel Bonbone, and check out Addicted to Anime next month as we review... Elf and Lead. Elf and Lead. Thank you.